something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Bechdel cast, okay? Yeah, ready to party, ready to sausage party. Yes, I am, because Yikes. today is my shameless plugging day. Today is the day where we are doing a movie that is technically about hot dogs, but is also... T- <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but we're uh, <laughs> celebrating the release of Raw Dog, my first book. Woo! When you're hearing this, it will be out. Uh, You should definitely go buy it at your local bookstore. Don't, no Mm -hmm. Amazon fuckery, please. Mm -hmm. I'll accept a Barnes and Noble, but only if you're in a difficult, like only if you're not near an independent bookstore, which you probably are. So go get, Mm -hmm. uh, it's my book about the history of hot dogs and a road trip I took in 2021, um, trying hot dogs across the country. It is about uh, leftist politics. It is about workers' rights. It is about the history of like how American jingoism is connected to the hot dog. It's about mm-hmm. following people around in the Wienermobile. It's about uh, <laughs> falling in love with Joey Chestnut, but also it's complicated mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. really fuck with him, but I do have a crush on him. Gross. Problematic fave Joey Chestnut and my king Takeru Kobayashi, as well as all of the uh, kind of twisted, bizarre. Um, it, well, this is actually maybe where it overlaps with, sausage party which we're talking about today which mercifully mm-hmm. does not come up in the book i did Good. not uh there there was there was no space and i didn't want to no i just didn't want to um but in professional hot dog eating there's a lot of historical issues regarding racism and gender discrimination mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. that sport yes it's a sport no i will not be taking <laughs> questions or arguments about it it is a sport uh-huh. and that is something that <laughs> has in common with the movie we're discussing today. So shameless plug at oh, the beginning. Oh, you mean sexism and racism and yes. all of those things? Yes. Uh-huh. 
But one thing it doesn't have that Sausage Party does is bad writing. It's a good book. You should buy it. Uh, and I, Hell or yeah. or if you're not in a position to buy it, um, I will link in this episode of uh, different ways to request that it be brought to your local library. That's also mm-hmm. a great way. There's also an audiobook that's narrated by <gasps> me. Wow. I gee. know. They're like, hey, podcaster, get in that booth. And I did. And uh, my audio engineer's name was Tim, and he was a vegan, and he was like, oh, my God. Oh, gee whiz. We really learned from each other that week. <laughs> he's from New Zealand, kind of iconic, oh. and he's like, I can't do a New Zealand accent, but he was like, this country's so fucked. And I was like, that's right, Tim. That's right. <laughs> and that's an example of something Correct. that did not pass the Bechdel test. Me and Tim shooting the shit. Yeah. Was it pleasant? Yes. Of course. But did not pass. And which, what a wonderful transition to our show and what it's about. So this is the Bechtel cast. Hello, my name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus, author of Raw Dog Out Now. And this is our show where we analyze movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel. It was a weird way to say that. The Bechtel. Bechtel. (laughs) (laughs) using the Bechtel test simply as a jumping off point to initiate a far larger conversation about representation and such in FLIM. The Bechtel test being a media metric uh, sometimes called the Bechtel-Wallace test Mm -hmm. that first appeared in Alison Bechtel, queer icon, queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel's comic Dykes to Watch Out For, Originally intended just as sort of like a one-off joke. It was a bit, but it has since been used as this media metric. There are many versions of it. The one that we use is this. Two characters of a marginalized gender must have names. Those characters have to talk to each other about something other than a man. And we particularly enjoy it when it is a narratively meaningful conversation and not just a hi hot dog number one mm-hmm. hello yeah also uh, i resent the aggressive gendering of the hot dog expanded universe oh hot dogs are look they're beautiful they're they don't know gender and this is yeah. i mean it caitlin no i love the i love these damn things i love and to eat hot dogs when they're ethically produced i'm smiling and they don't know gender they transcend gender and class that's the whole point of a hot dog they're for everybody but why according to this movie seth rogan god we'll talk about just it white guys. why are just oh well, i actually i have a lot of hot dog gendering thoughts which we'll get around to but um but yes this movie i mean for its many flaws it does pass the bechdel test not in ways i particularly like oh it's heinous but yeah uh, but that's why we talk about all the time it's a it's a flawed metric it was created as a bit um but we there's plenty to talk about um and boy oh boy this movie came out um in 2016 Mm-hmm. But it really feels like it came out in 2004. <laughs> it has like huge 2004 vibes. Truly. But it was a, I kind of forgot, we were talking about this earlier. I forgot that Sausage Party was apparently a huge hit. Yes, it was like a huge. box office smash hit. It was for a while the highest grossing R-rated movie ever until that is really such a bummer oh sorry okay i made some stuff up it was the highest grossing r-rated animated film not r-rated film in general but which uh, r-rated animated film because it grossed 
$141 million at the box office against a budget of $19 million, which is a low budget for an animated feature, and we'll go into how that happened later. The The budget on this movie is low for a uh, animated, and then, oh God, I have a lot of feelings on animation labor. Um, yeah, we'll, that we'll get that. to. It's, animators are treated so horribly, and people across the spectrum in terms of jobs in animation are just treated terribly. And this mm-hmm. also, it also feels like it ties into um, conversations that have gone on in the last couple of years around effects workers in Marvel movies where that's constantly been mm-hmm. like people working overtime and then not be just being worked to death. And you know, the whole ethos is like, you should yep. be lucky yeah. to work on a Marvel movie. And it's like, go well, fuck yourself. Um, yes. But yeah, sausage party, big hit. And I'm realizing, Caitlin, I, first of all, I appreciate that you were willing to do a hot dog themed movie to line up with. Oh, cool. Yeah, this was my idea. Sorry. Raw dog, which is, <laughs> which raw dog out now. I will say, I thought this was the only movie about hot dogs, mm-hmm. but shows what I fucking know because <laughs> my friend Mitch last night gave me a DVD for something called Hot Dog the Movie. Wild. That came out in 1984. <laughs> I haven't read the synopsis yet. Okay. I've, I've been at definitely can you share it ages now? well. Of course I can. Let me get the sticker off. Hold on. Okay, there's a booklet inside. I'm going to oh, just read the beginning. Good. Snowballs and Powder Bunnies. The Sextactic Slapstick Slalom of Hot Dog the Movie. What? Hot Dog the so Movie. I'm not even following. <laughs> slalom i think it's a skiing movie is also what's confusing is the whole thing appears to take place at a let's find out hot dog (laughs) the movie is this is the supreme bacchanalian ski movie blowout toward which all previous bacchanalian ski movie blowouts has led and from which all subsequent bacchanalian ski movie blowouts have since proceeded backward upside down and drunkenly spinning through the air between snow-capped jumping off points Hitting theaters in early 1984 at the ascending peak of post-Porky's teen sex comedy mania. Oh, boy. Hot Dog's protagonists may not have been in high school or college, but the movie's ski lodge setting and R-rated raunch landed it squarely in the canon of high 80s adolescent anarchy farces. (laughs) Let me just keep... um, So this is like a a biography of the movie more than a synopsis i'm under i'm realizing this is this is a movie about skiing why is it called hot dog the movie um wait hang on i'm getting pissed <laughs> off i'm getting pissed off let's google Where, it uh, yeah when is when do the hot dogs come in <laughs> are the skiers like are the Wait. It's about the, the film stars Patrick Hauser as Harkin Banks, a young and ambitious freestyle skier from Bonners Ferry, Idaho, who's determined to prove himself in a freestyle skiing competition at Squaw Valley. Along the way, he teams with a there's no hot dogs in this movie. Yeah, it's just about it's a teen sex comedy about freestyle skiers. Well, that has nothing to do with hot dogs. And I'm pissed. Yeah. Apparently, this movie made its budget back 11 times. Not that Whoa. anyone's ever heard of it. Mm-mm. And hopefully that's what will happen to the movie we're discussing as uh, today as well. Uh, yeah. Sausage Party. Caitlin Durante, what's your history with this movie? I did not see it in theaters, but I did see it shortly after it came out because there was a lot of buzz about this movie. Not only was it a box office hit, it was critically well received. 
It has 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which is unfathomable. I remember being shocked by that at the time, too, because this was shortly before the Bechtel cast began. Yes. This came out the summer before. Mm -hmm. So I saw it sometime later in 2016 and remember thinking, and this was before I was like, like you said, this was before we started the Bechtel cast. So even though like representation was on my mind when I was watching movies, you know, we didn't have quite the the nuanced takes that we do now. But, but you don't need you a don't nuanced need... view of, <laughs> of cinema to realize to, that uh... I would say that this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen from a storytelling point of view and from a representation point of view like it's just abysmal in every imaginable way it's a really it's and it's interesting to read back the good reviews of this movie because there is sort of a lot of like and I do think it has to do with how beloved Seth Rogen is by pop culture and by the general culture in general and general culture in general Jamie come on (laughs) Um, and I'm not, and we're, doing like, great. we're not knocking Seth Rogen fans. Like I've enjoyed a lot of Seth Rogen over the years, although I did used to say I would deport him to Canada, which was not nice of me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's like I've, I've enjoyed a lot of Seth Rogen's work. Mm-hmm. Same. This is just really not, I don't know. I, I, I felt a sort of like in reading a lot of reviews, a lot of bending over backwards to make this movie okay because... Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen made it and like all these beloved comedians of this era yeah. made it and I I, I do wonder what the, how this movie would be received if it came out now and also like uh-huh. reading about the ostensible like intentions that the writers had like uh-huh. where they were like it's this is something that we'll get into but it just like never ever 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 works when someone's like this movie is equal opportunity offensive no one is safe Mm -mm. from my pen and it's just like well that completely ignores any dynamics of like privilege or who gets to make most movies so that does not work and it's just like Mm -mm. I, I was reading in the like reviews of this that I don't know. Like the closest I could say to something positive about this movie is that it's attempting to say something about faith. I don't think it successfully does. I understand that it's attempting to, um, but everything else is just like presenting very broad stereotypes in a way that Mm -hmm. is not presenting the, I was not seeing the commentary that was implied in some of these reviews. I'm like commenting on what exactly, exactly, what does Bill Hader playing a native character in the most broadly offensive way oh, yeah. possible on multiple levels. What is that? What is that? <laughs> what is that comment? Anything? On? Yeah, the critic oh. consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is which again, Rotten Tomatoes is like a shitty metric. Yeah, but still. but people consult it. Like I, I go on Rotten Tomatoes to be like, oh, should I see this movie? I don't know. Um, sure. But the critic consensus is Sausage Party is definitely offensive. I agree with that, but yes. backs up oh, yeah. its enthusiastic profanity with an impressively high laugh to gag ratio. I do not agree with that because I did not laugh fucking once. No, it's all puns. It's, it's, yeah, like it's all bad. Puns. And I love a pun, like, but none of these puns are good. I don't and, love a pun. <laughs> and then in the final part of this is so it's you know it backs up the enthusiastic profanity with an impressively high laugh to gag ratio and a surprisingly thought-provoking storyline also 
no <laughs> i like truly the no no like this is i i went to uh letterboxd on this one as well just to get a f- Sure. I love Letterboxd reviews a lot. Mm. Oh, they're great. The top review is, I'm only four minutes into this, but I think this is the most evil movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I hard agree with yes. that. And this is why we need better movies about hot, hot dogs. dogs. And I would, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not even throwing my hat in the ring. I am the fucking ring. You, I'm going yeah. <laughs> to make a hot dog movie that doesn't suck ass. This is, my history with this movie is that I saw it I, similar shortly after it came out mm-hmm. because I, but I remember like seeing it with a friend that we were watching it again. We hadn't started the Bechtel cast, but it doesn't mean we weren't feminists or like didn't have a brain Right. Um, <laughs> that like I saw it because I thought I would be uh, like really upset and annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. And so we watched it kind of as like a joke. Yeah. And, you know, sure enough, I fucking hated it. Uh, I may have written about it at the time. This was back when I was oh. doing a lot of like writing. I mean, I was like a full-time writer on various websites. Wow, brag. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure I wrote an essay about it for Paste at the time. Not about Sausage Party in particular, but like this like man-child comedy that mm-hmm. I think has since, this is kind of like, as far as I can tell, at least in the hugely popular sense kind of the tail end of it yeah I and think so. the, and it had a fucking run i would say that this like style of broadly offensive humor that employs all of these fucking tropes that says it's saying something but it's not and it's mm-hmm. pretty fucking evil is they it had a good like decade-long kind of chokehold on yeah, comedy for sure in movies and yeah, it was like the judd apatow era well it's like yeah and it's like that's the thing that's fascinating frustrating whatever about it is like even judd apatow and seth rogan don't do shit like this anymore mm-hmm. because i don't think that they, they get away with it yeah um and i know seth has seth rogan not been like oops i made some stuff back in the day that i can't really vouch for anymore did that happen? Yes, definitely. Yeah. He did. So yeah, I think it is kind of interesting that in the last two years, it appears, this like started in 2021, Seth Rogen has attempted to sort of address past offensive, mm-hmm. um, both like content in movies and treatment of uh, people. Yeah. If not from him specifically, by a production that he was involved with or in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, so examples would include Emma Watson in This Is The End, Katherine Heigl in Knocked Up. Mm-hmm. And I'm also seeing an incident regarding a child actor in Good Boys, a movie I did not see, oh, uh, having their see skin that. darkened. <gasps> oh. Yeah. So there was this sort of... I don't want to be too reductive and say apology tour like mm-hmm. but a series of like this is such a I don't know I but there okay in any case mm-hmm. my opinion <laughs> is that sausage party is too recent <laughs> to be doing but it does mm-hmm. feel like this all that to say sausage party feels like arriving at the tail end of this style of comedy being extremely mainstream popular yeah and it still has a long way to go but there was kind of like a cultural turning point Mm -hmm. 
like right around this time where media and especially comedy wasn't so reliant on reductive stereotypes and tropes and punching down humor, which we've talked about many times on the show, that became way less popular right around this time. Yes. Um, and this, it's because the Bechtel cat. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, we fixed the world. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> no, but I do think it like has, I mean, whatever, we're not historians or anthropologists, but this comes out, you know, the summer before the 2016 election, mm-hmm. which I feel like was a marked kind of a huge shift in demanding better representation for sure in movies was that successful uh still tbd Uh working on it (laughs) work in progress but i do i do take a little bit of comfort in watching this movie that was a hit in 2016 and feeling pretty confident that it probably couldn't even get greenlit right now um so that makes me feel a little better Mm -hmm. but yeah I saw this movie as a joke I have not thought of it since really I mean to the point where I literally wrote a book about hot dogs and didn't even think to include it (laughs) right um yeah it has no lasting legacy which is comforting no and I don't think I think especially because of the style of humor being so broad and I think evil as well as the labor issues that sort of stuck to this movie for several years I it, I know that there's been interest in a sequel from Seth Rogen but I just personally I don't see it happening however mm-hmm. Caitlin in October 2022 Sausage Party Foodtopia a sequel series based on the film was greenlit from Amazon Studios what? so Ooh. well you know, uh, <laughs> look at look at God, um, which is what this movie it says it's about, but it's not. <sighs> yeah. Should we get into Let's it? This movie really it. is viscerally upsetting. It, to me. Yeah. And it's, there's so many like, I mean, this is true of a lot of the, there's like a lot of performers I genuinely enjoy in this movie. And there's I'm just so like, many people that are too good for the, why is Selma Hayek in this? Oh God. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into, I mean, I, I at very least hope that people were well some I don't I don't even know I don't know I don't know I'm so like oh I I don't know yeah why did they I just feel deflated same well let's take a quick break and regroup yes and then we'll come back for a recap that will just upset us again great so we'll be right back Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, and we're back. We're back. All right. Um, can I just quickly read off the cast for this movie, please? Okay. It really is all okay seth rogan michael sarah Kristen wick edward norton question mark yeah. david crumholt yeah. huge betrayal mm-hmm. salma hayek bill Hader, i think uh, comes out the worst yeah, out of the whole cast and that's saying something yep. craig robinson nick kroll james franco Boo. jonah hill anders holm danny mcbride how dare he uh mm. paul rudd it's just come on come on yeah all of you all of you shame 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 on you except for um i would say salma hayek <laughs> yeah. everyone else shame on you yeah but also her character <laughs> we'll get there okay i don't know right, I, so, I don't know i hope they paid her a lot of money but also oh my god they probably didn't what <laughs> they they probably didn't why would why would you do this how i I, I can't imagine outside of money you know, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this the other day when I was watching a video of Bill Nighy. Oh, King. Who describes walking around the set of Pirates of the Caribbean when he was playing Davy Jones, just <laughs> saying, the money, the money, the money. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I hope. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, he's the best. <laughs> Love him. Okay. Okay. Sausage party. So most of the movie takes place at a grocery store called Shopwells. Mm. We meet a few hot dogs in a pack. Frank, voiced by Seth Rogen. Get it? As well as... He's a hot dog. Ha ha. His name's Frank. Hilarious. I'm laughing already. <laughs> Wait, but do the buns have tits? <laughs> this is so upsetting. 
gender essentialism with hot dogs. Like, oh, 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 that's nasty. There's a whole spiel I have. That's fucking filthy. Another hot dog is Carl, voiced by Jonah Hill, and Barry, voiced by Michael Sarah. These hot dogs, along with all of the other food and condiments and household products in this grocery store, are sentient. And their goal is to be selected by people who the food thinks are gods. Okay, so quick interjection. I'm going to try to try my best to enjoy this episode more by interjecting with hot dog facts I love. Oh, please. That you can are you about to tell about me that hot dogs dog are out now. sentient? Yes. No. <laughs> I will say that there is not that I think that anyone who was writing this movie was thinking a thought the entire time. Correct. But there is a weird precedent for like picturing like hot dogs specifically, but also a lot of food of just like anthropomorphizing food in a way that is like begging you to eat it in a way that's kind of nasty. Mm-hmm. And there's one particular hot dog statue that is, I've seen it across the country. Okay. I want, I don't know. I didn't, this was not an international project, so I can only speak to the U S. So if you're a listener outside of the U S that has seen this hot dog statue, please let me know. Okay. It's so gross. It is a, it's first of all, it's huge. It's like six feet tall mm-hmm. and it's, it sort of is anthropomorphized in the Mickey Mouse way that um, that these hot dogs are. They got the white gloves. They got the little legs. Yeah. Whatever. You got to make them look like something. And I feel like the Mickey Mouse method is most common. Uh-huh. But this hot dog is slouching over. He's holding. Um, I say he because it seems like that's what. <laughs> again, the gender essentialism I mean, of hot dogs. People love to gender hot dogs as men and more specifically horny men penises okay whatever but the hot dog is slouched over he's also got teeth hate that yeah i mean so does frank Mm -hmm. and you're like what it like you could have a whole thing that uh there's this amazing video from this youtuber named mike's mike where he breaks down everything about the movie cars that is like body horror Uh um and you could have a very similar video about this but the hot dog statue's holding ketchup in one hand mustard in another mm-hmm. squeezing it all over on himself oh. and licking his teeth Ew. like he's dressing himself to be eaten by you but he also looks like he's kind of in pain oh no it's disgusting and it's so big and then i looked it up online it cost like twelve hundred dollars i'm like why would you buy this yuck why would this be in your house oh so this is they wanted to put that on the cover of my book and i was like no. you can't you can't do that <laughs> You can't do that. I'm going to send you a picture. Please. It's so nasty. So this is like just a, a, a piece of like decorative art question mark that you can buy and have in your house? No. So it's used mostly. I mean, I guess you could, but it's used mostly in hot dog restaurants. Oh, I see. But true. I mean, this thing is being sold for $2,000 on eBay and it's disgusting. Ugh. It's so gross. And then in Chicago what is more common practice is they will break off the arm holding the ketchup bottle. Uh-huh. Oh, um, because Chicago hot dogs are all about mustard. They're all, no, they're, it's, well, they're, they, they're all about a lot of things, but they're more about like no ketchup. I see. Okay. Are you seeing this? Oh my God. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> thank you. It's even it's worse disgusting. than I was picturing in my head. The face is really troubling. It's perverse. also he's like wearing sneakers and socks and has teeth and i'm just like this is too far is it wait i'm the one (laughs) i'm seeing he's like licking his lips yes so he has a tongue yes i've seen variants that have teeth 
there's a few different variants on this but and then there's also one that's wrapped in an american flag because this is so you know the hot dog is so tied into american jingoism even though it's not an american dish it's fucking greek and polish Mm. but whatever all right Mm. sorry sausage party So, so yeah, we meet all these hot dogs. Also, these hot dogs are not being refrigerated. They're just on a regular ass shelf. Nasty. Next to buns. I would rather they refrigerate the buns. That's fine. Yeah, right. You can do that. You can, yeah. They last longer, probably. Sheesh. Um, but yeah, no, there's just like room temperature hot dogs and we're supposed to be rooting for them. Yeah, right. Okay, so... The whole thing is that all the food reveres humans as gods and they they want to be taken out of the store to the quote-unquote great beyond mm-hmm. because the food does not know that its purpose is to be eaten. They think that they're going to be taken out of the store and it's going to be this wonderful paradise because the movie is an allegory for religion and the food believes this dogma about the great beyond basically being heaven all this stuff yes this is like the beginning of this movie's attempt to make comment on faith right. that i feel was not, not very well done but you can tell they're attempting it yes <laughs> right yeah so the main thing with the hot dogs who again are coded as men and we'll talk all about the coding and the gender essentialism of all of this but the hot dogs who are men are excited the main thing that they're excited about is that they will be put inside the hot dog buns who are coded as women and and also coded as sentient vaginas right because <laughs> And it, here's what happens is that the, <laughs> yeah, here's the thing for me. This is complicated stuff. The hot dogs being put inside hot dog buns is this very nuanced, subtle mm. metaphor for heterosex. You probably didn't know that until I explained it because it's just so subtle a really <laughs> subtle and it's like mm, let's yeah let's it's it's really hetero and it's also very uh everything in this on this shelf is uh cis hetero i'm like correct they're fucking hot dogs <laughs> stop it stop it <laughs> what uh yeah the the senti- and i will say that the design i mean whatever animation wise the character design of the hot dogs i'm not super upset i don't love to see teeth inside of a hot dog but i guess Mm-mm. it's scarier if there's no teeth if we're anthropomorphic whatever right. the buns oh no inexcusable bad 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 they're all because i feel like there's all these jokes that have ableist coding to them mm-hmm. of like a smooshed bun or like a hot dog that isn't like the correct quote-unquote shape mm-hmm. or size or whatever which is not just ableist coded very, very clearly. Right. It's also like, but the regular buns don't look like hot dog buns because regular hot dog buns don't have titties <laughs> and a big old butt. Like, <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> And like, the hot dog buns are not like famously curvy. Like, what are you talking about? Nor- and I hate their sideways mouth. Those side- I hate the their vertical mouth. mouth. Oh, oh my why God. Why would you do that? It's- they don't have, that's, so, okay. Why? Does Seth Rogen hot dog have teeth? Chris and McBun, no teeth. Mm. Sideways mouth, no teeth. 
the character design in this movie is just uh, i hate it yeah the but the vagina buns i have really uh <laughs> i have i it's so hard to look at yeah it's so and you're just like but vaginas are literally beautiful wow why would you do that <laughs> why would you, and also it's like i don't like it's just all like mm. The fact that, I mean, we've talked about this in animation before, where anything remotely woman-coded, like, we've been talking about this since the Ghostbusters episode, where it's, like, male-coded animated characters can look like anything. Mm -hmm. Women have to have a a fucking huge, like, have to have, like, distinct boobs and butt, which is obviously, like, not knocking anyone who has boobs and butt, like, whatever. Yeah, how dare you? I have boobs and a butt. What are you saying, Jamie? I have a butt. I technically have boobs. It's fine. Like it's fine. It's bodies. But like you know, we can't look like anything, right? We it's it's a very specific like Western beauty standards body shape and size that is ascribed to female characters in animation. But Caitlin, why? Why for a hot dog bun? The hot dog (laughs) is well. The hot dog, but even by the this movie's logic, the hot dog is clearly supposed to be penis coated right it's a sentient dick and it's horny because that's how we essentialize male sexuality right the bun is vagina but vaginas don't Don't have have boobs boobs. (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of if that would mean you're so sick if that was happening i just don't know like i just don't (laughs) like yeah vaginas don't have but they don't have an ass they don't they don't have titties <laughs> not to be a woman in stem but they don't <laughs> but it's like it's so perverse to me that like even just making the character a sentient vagina was not horny enough they also had to give the vagina yeah boobs and a butt it doesn't make sense no and it looks horrible it looks like shit <laughs> it's so <laughs> gross not knocking the animators i'm sure that the creatives insisted on this yeah the animators aren't designing the characters no so whoever was responsible for character design really needs to i'm like really i this movie is like truly chaotic evil on every level and these things are sort of like occurring to me as we go like wow they really put boobs and a butt on a vagina yes that is correct we're never gonna be any free (laughs) this is just like a nightmare yeah okay so the main bun character who we meet and follow throughout the movie is brenda voiced by Kristen wig she is frank's girlfriend i love Kristen wig same and the following day is the fourth of july which means that it's pretty likely that the hot dogs and buns will be taken out of the store to the great beyond and Frank and Brenda will finally get to have sex. Yeah. Sure enough, Frank's pack of hot dogs and Brenda's pack of buns are selected from the shelf and put into a cart by one of the quote unquote gods, a.k.a. a woman. But before this happens, mm. they have some sort of sexual contact. They've touched tips. Yeah. Which is later used. And I saw reviews of this movie that were like, this is the commentary on Christian values. And you're like, shut up. They're like, <laughs> the, the, they touch tips. They touch fingertips, right? But it's like a sexually coded, like, yeah, whatever. Touch tips. Fine. Mm-hmm. Which is then used for the rest. When things go wrong in the movie, as, as time goes on, Brenda thinks that this is because she had any sort of 
premarital or like pre whatever. Yeah, she thinks she's being punished by the gods for having premarital sexual contact with Frank. Which I guess you could argue comes around in the end, but not in a very satisfying way. Mm-hmm. And it and also just like the way that they're and again, I I know that this was argued as commentary, but it just it didn't work for me. Where <laughs> at the beginning the hot dogs are just like we want to fucking fucking fuck and then the bun ladies are like we want to be loved me, me, me. yeah we want to love i wrote it down it's we want to love and hug and feel and share me vibes because women be having emotions and men okay. only want to have sex ha 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 i mean i want to love and feel and share too but people <laughs> of all genders want to love and feel and share yeah. and also people of all genders want, want to fuck <laughs> This movie is so essentialist. It's so boring. Yeah. I hate it. It sucks. Sorry. Um, okay, so Frank and Brenda have been put in a cart. Yeah. But there's this jar of honey mustard that had been purchased by mistake and gets returned to the store. So he went out into the quote-unquote great beyond or the like unknown area beyond the store. Danny McBride, how could you? And then the honey mustard ends up in this woman's cart with Frank and Brenda. And the honey mustard tells everyone what he has discovered about what actually happens in the great beyond. It is a hellscape where food is eaten. So chaos ensues upon hearing this news and a bunch of food goes flying out of the cart, including Frank and Brenda, because they've gotten loose from their packaging. Uh, the store closes shortly thereafter and Frank and Brenda, who are now just sort of like loose in the store, they set off to find other packages that they can sneak into in the hopes that they will still be chosen and taken to the great beyond. Although Frank is now skeptical and wants more information because what if the honey mustard was right? And the honey mustard tells him to go see... A bottle of oh, fire water. Yes. Um, and also, we haven't brought up... Because I don't know why this... Like, truly writing-wise, if even if I, we're just looking at this as writers, I don't know why the character of Douche... That's right. Oh, yeah. The big bad of this movie is called Douche. I don't know why there's like randomly a villain like there it's not even necessary to the shitty story that's being told for there to uh-uh. be this villain right like the crisis of faith and the quest is enough you don't need uh, uh yeah the villain of the movie is named douche yeah, yes i uh, yeah and you're never gonna <laughs> he's about to come up which i'm like do they even sell those at the grocery store i don't know but also it's such a clear indication that this movie was written by men and all the major creative decision makers of this movie were men because like and not to make sweeping generalizations here but i have never known a person who has a vagina to ever use a douche in my entire life and maybe that's just something that people tend to keep private but also like me and my friends talk about this stuff all the time and like you learn at an early age if you have a vagina that douching is not good for you it's like it right. can cause yeast infections and like my mom different things me like that. that yeah like that's something you learn early on and it's like advise that you don't do it and so no one i know with a vagina has ever used so, a douche but the guys who wrote this movie were like oh what's a product that a woman would buy a douche 
I have, unfortunately, I do have some information on this um, from <laughs> okay. womenshealth.gov uh-huh. about douching. So douching is not necessarily uncommon. I will agree with you. I have never known. I've never, I mean, I've never used one and I mm-hmm. don't know anyone who has right. because my mom told me when I was young that it is like you're saying like, okay, here's some information on douching. Yes. So everyone knows. Mm-hmm. This is from the government. Can we trust them? <laughs> Douching is washing or cleaning out the vagina with water or other mixtures of fluids. Mm -hmm. In the United States, almost one in five women, 15 to 44 years old, again, the definition of a woman being very narrow there because Mm -hmm. it's the fucking government, Um, but almost one in five, 15 to 44 years old douche. Doctors recommend that you do not douche. Douching can lead to many health problems, including problems getting pregnant. Douching is also linked to vaginal infections and sexually transmitted infections. Mm -hmm. So... And I, I maybe it's a generational thing where it's like yeah. maybe just people in our generation sort of learned that it was not healthy. Mm-hmm. But the, again, it's like Seth Rogen is like ten years old. Like it's just it it is like a lazy and it, and the way that the character it's so clear why they name that because douche is also like shorthand for an asshole, right? Which is you know it happens all the time where anything vaguely feminine. Like w- why is it like? Michael Sarah says this at one point because he's in this movie um, <laughs> where it's like, you know, if you're you're anything like feminine coded, there's like a strong meaning to it. That's why I'm very pro asshole. Yeah. It always works as an insult. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Same. Um, same. It's a great equalizer. I've replaced almost everything with like asshole or shithead or something just like very neutral because poo poo. And that's why we're so sophisticated. Um <laughs> But there's like Pee-pee Michael Sarah's <laughs> Michael Sarah's character refers to himself as a pussy at one point, which is a classic example mm-hmm. of like you know, a vagina being weak. Yeah. You're just like sure, but the same with like douche equals bad because mm-hmm. reasons. And the Nick Kroll <laughs> character is like a gym bro who I think like you know would have this would have douche attributed to him basically. Right. But it's just like. I mean, not the the rest of this movie. I thought that that was like a special, not just like more lazy, like whatever, but also just like weird writing because I don't think this movie even needs a villain. I don't get it. Right. Also, I did not even know what that was supposed to be until the douche identifies himself as a douche because I thought like douches aren't packaged that way. So I was like, is that like a toilet brush in its like toilet brush container that's what i thought it was at first because like i (laughs) like i don't think their packet douches are packaged that way even it's in like a summer's eve box and it's discreet anyway so i'm about yeah i'm about to introduce the douche character but before that brenda and frank who again are just like loose and roaming through the store team up with a few other items that also flew out of the cart a lavash named Kareem Abdul Lavash, voiced by David Crumholtz, aka Bernard the Elf from the Santa Claus. Another massive betrayal. Huge. And this is again, I'm like, I didn't find any um, information on why this choice was made. I don't know if you did, but the fact that like David Crumholtz is playing a character who is definitely coded as being Middle Eastern and Muslim. Mm-hmm which David Krumholtz is not. Correct. But David Krumholtz is a Jewish man. 
but the Jewish character is by Edward uh, Norton, aka Sammy Bagel Jr., who is a bagel. But Edward Norton's not is Jewish. Voiced by Edward Norton, like doing a Woody Allen impression the whole time. And if you're wondering if heinous stereotypes are employed here, oh, just assume for both characters, any. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's truly from what I can tell is that um, the hot dogs are kind of coded as Protestant Christian Christian white guys. Yeah. Uh, and the buns are presented as Christian white girls. Mm-hmm. And then everyone everyone else in the movie is, I guess with the exception of douche, is like pretty heavily stereotyped, uh, like a heavily stereotyped culture. Right. So, yeah, basically... I mean, and we'll get to this in more detail, but the movie codes most of the food in particular ways, often ascribing a particular race, ethnicity, and or religion to several different food items. And with that comes this, just a whole slew of reductive and harmful portrayals of marginalized communities. So that's what we're working with. Yes. I mean, that is most of what the movie relies on and we again it's like kayla and i discussed this before we started recording where it's like we will make note of like where these characters appear but i don't even like we don't even really want to harp on Mm -hmm. how deeply offensive because it's like because to describe the ways in which the offensive things are happening is just like upsetting to do and i don't even want to like repeat it (laughs) so it's a yeah it's a it's a waste of air but it is worth mentioning what is being done because this was a, a successful movie fairly recently. Mm-hmm. It's such a bummer. Yeah. Um, okay, so they team up with these couple other characters. And then meanwhile, a douche voiced by Nick Kroll becomes a villain because he wants revenge against Frank and Brenda for getting him thrown away and damaged after that cart disaster Mm -hmm. so now there's this random villain frank brenda and the others make their way through the store they pass through the liquor aisle because frank wants to talk to this bottle of firewater who is an indigenous coded character voiced by bill Hader? yikes um who Seems to know things about the great beyond and how it might not be all that it's cracked up to be. And Firewater tells Frank that he and a few other non-perishable items in the store. Who, don't worry, are also all wildly stereotyped. For sure. Uh, They invented the idea of the great beyond in order to keep the food happy and unaware of their impending doom. However, they note that it's been distorted along the way. But if Frank wants proof of this, he should go to the dark aisle beyond the ice. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Brenda and the others get tricked by a bottle of tequila who is trying to lead them to the douche. But a uh, hard taco shell, Teresa Del Taco, voiced by Selma Hayek, saves them. Um, the douche is trying to like attack them, but I... Brenda and the others get away. Uh... Okay. Then <laughs> this is Ugh. this movie is so evil. It's this movie horrid. is horrid. So evil. There was a really good. Uh, I I thought 
piece in Salon by Nico Lang when this movie first came out that unpacked in particular how infuriating it is that Salma Hayek's character is written the way she is. Not Mm -hmm. only because it's, I mean, because it's like racism and cultural stereotypes on top of sexism. Like it's just like Mm -hmm. a two punch. And Salma Hayek has been so historically outspoken about how frustrating it is to be a Latin actor and Mm -hmm. be treated like this repeatedly. I mean, Salma Hayek, a Oscar nominated actor for playing Frida Mm -hmm. that has to take parts like this. And so I just wanted to share a quick quote from Salma Hayek because I love Salma Hayek and I just really, oh God. Uh, She says, I had things said to me that you would not believe. A, A studio executive once informed Hayek, Um, that she would be a much bigger star had she been born in the United States. He allegedly told her, the moment you open your mouth, you remind everyone of their maid. And there was another time, I mean, it's and she's been, again, she's been very outspoken about this over the years and still Mm -hmm. has to take fucking parts like this, which I think is a, a systemic failure. For sure. Another example she gave over the years was um, when she was almost in and it wasn't specific about what movie but she was almost the lead in a sci-fi film that was being directed by uh, a white guy Mm -hmm. but then the executives overruled her casting and forced uh, the director to drop Selma Hayek because they said a Mexican in space (sighs) then another movie that like isn't even good that you remember that movie grown-ups it's like an Adam Sandler movie I didn't see it I didn't see it either but yeah I know of it it's very an Adam Sandler movie but yeah. Selma Hayek I guess plays his wife in in that movie mm. and he had to As fight if. for her to get that part like it's just Ugh. like she's Oscar nominated like it's she's unbelievably talented <laughs> like there's no yeah. whatever. you don't need us to tell you Selma Hayek is fucking awesome yeah. but like yeah the way she's treated it in particular where I, I'm just like this is just fucking unacceptable and also Salma Hayek is a good like comedic actor too like but they're just like ugh ugh I hate it I hate it and she's one of the few actors who is cast as like her own race where there's many Mm -hmm. where that is not the case because it's mostly white actors voicing non-white coded characters I think with the exception of Craig Robinson and Salma Hayek, mm-hmm. um, that is the case. Right. Bill, Bill Hader as Firewater is, it felt like it was pulling from like the animated Peter Pan from the 1950s yeah. portrayal of indigenous Americans. For sure. Voiced by a white guy. Bill Hader also voices Tequila and El Guaco. Yes. Which are Mexican coded characters. Yeah. And also coded as being predatory. Yeah. And uh, in addition to, and this is also pointed out in Nico Lang's article that we will link, is... Um, casting the only indigenous coded character as firewater as a bottle of liquor yeah it's like i think pretty clearly mocking alcoholism in indigenous communities which is a topic we've discussed in other episodes Mm -hmm. um and like it's just cruel like it's just i i it is it truly blows my mind that any of this was argued as commentary like that is you're just doing the thing it's such punching down humor dialed up in a way that that is like worse than the 1950s like the what they're it's it's a lot i mean yeah it just really yeah um all right so back to the movie uh we then cut to 
the other hot dogs who remained in the package and went home with that like woman shopper and at the woman's house barry watches in horror as food is peeled and chopped up and boiled and melted and eaten carl is sliced in half but barry survives and escapes back in the store Brenda and the others link back up with Frank, but none of them want to go with him to the Dark Isle because they still believe in the Great Beyond, so Frank has to head to the Dark Isle alone. Back outside of the store, Barry the hot dog manages to stow away in some dude's car. He thinks he's headed back to Shopwell's, but they end up at this guy's apartment where this guy <laughs> proceeds to do bath salts. I think this is the James Franco character. Yes. And also, bat- I mean, no, not, but like, this movie is already so dated where it's like, I, God, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, bath salts no longer really a subject of discussion. <laughs> right. It really puts this movie in a particular time in history. The two, outside of just being straight up offensive, the two things that felt the most dated to me were the references to bath salts and also like the gym bro humor, which is, I think it was Mm. just like done to death and people are fucking tired of it and know it like, because that's every, everything that comes out of douches mouth is like, don't fucking love it, bro. And you're like, Oh my God, don't miss this. I don't know if that's just because I'm swiping left on hundreds of men who seem to fit this description on Bumble and shit like that. But I feel like that caricature of a of a man is still very much a thing. It didn't that didn't even feel that dated to me. So Damn. IDK. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's worse than we feared. Um anyway, because this dude is on bath salts he and Barry can understand each other because the drugs enable him to like see if this fourth dimension where he can see the sentient food. And so they talk and the guy promises to return Barry to the grocery store back at the store, Brenda, Sammy and Ravash finally make it to their respective aisles and part ways. Meanwhile, Frank reaches the dark aisle, which is full of knives and cookware and a cookbook that shows all of these recipes for preparing food, which is proof that people eat food and that the great beyond is a myth. Woo. Uh, but when Frank shows this to all the other food in the store over a like video monitor and loudspeaker, He's like, here's the truth. And if you don't believe it, you're a fool. And the food feels insulted. And they're like, um, this sounds like another theory. And I choose to believe the more pleasant thing. So none of the other food gets on board with him. Right. Which is another sort of like, I don't know. I guess if you're listening, you feel however you want it. But I was like, this is like sort of another like swipe that is at all religions so broadly as mm-hmm. to mean nothing and also in kind of a way that feels very i can't like still like 2016 was a little too late to still be attempting this but like suggesting like atheism is the only method the only way to Mm -hmm. like to freedom of your mind which just feels a little um right what's his name bill 
Who's the guy? Mm. Oh my god. Bill. Bill. Bill fucking. The guy on TV. Bill, I mean, he's Bill Nye, the science guy? No, I don't. I think he's respectful of other people's religion. <laughs> I hope. No, I'm thinking of Bill. Not Bill Nye. That's what comes Bill up in my Nye, Google because I king. Google him all the time. <laughs> um, he's on HBO. Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Oh my god. Bill, Bill Maher, Maher who's, who's just like a kind of like fucking asshole who's yeah. like who has contempt for anyone that has any sort of faith that's not he to say sucks. that faith that religion cannot be extremely repressive obviously we know that but it's like right. it just feels like this again just a very overly simplistic like well sure. if you didn't believe in anything maybe your life wouldn't suck so much <laughs> you're like well that feels a little a little broad to me definitely yes yes um this film, it's almost as if this film lacks <sighs> nuance. I, I know. I know. I'm just like, oh, we're wasting our time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, what are we even doing? Buy Jamie's what book. Bye. See ya. Please buy my book. Please buy my book. It's nothing like this. Oh, my uh, God. No, there's there's lots more to discuss. And the movie's almost over. So yes. uh, Barry oh. shows up after Frank has tried to give this speech about what everyone should believe or should not believe and barry's like no you can't tell people that they're fools if they don't believe you we have to do it a different way so then they shoot all of the people in the store with toothpicks covered in bath salts and because bath salts allow the people and food to understand each other the people is like is the bath salt like a metaphor for like empathy i don't think they thought about it that hard i I don't don't. (laughs) know you're right you're right you're right but because the people are on bath salts they start freaking out and destroying the food which allows the food to see how evil and vicious the humans are that they thought were gods but they realize are actually monsters and they realize that frank was right so the food fights back against the people but this is when the douche shows back up and puts himself up a store employee's butt and is like puppeting the store employee around while he's holding a gun and trying to shoot the food. But Dude, I eventually... was so checked out by this point. <laughs> I was like, sure. I was watching it at like two times speed by this point and i i feel like i missed some stuff because i was like i just need this to end as quickly as possible i watched but... it twice to prepare but yeah the second time i watched it on 1.75 because i'm just like this it doesn't make a difference uh-huh. it's not like yeah. i'm ignoring something <laughs> like, <laughs> right. there's nothing to take no um anyway okay so the 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 villains are trying to kill the food but frank and brenda and barry defeat the bad guys and they save the food in the store and then the movie ends with an orgy where all the food is having sex with each other and then there's another final beat where the bottle of fire water is like by the way none of us are real we're a cartoon invented by seth rogan so it tries to have this like clever meta ending but it also falls completely flat and sucks the end and it's also weird that the only they're like which yeah which is like a very easy way to be like yeah it was about nothing right it was about nothing because it was like even with the ending again just like shitty writing where like the ending being like 
oh, now everyone's like having this big food orgy and it's like not the rigid hetero like thing but but it's mm-hmm. still like anytime there's queer sex it's heavily commented on and then they even make brenda bunsen feminist icon <laughs> you know sit next to frank the hot dog after and say like well some like basically say that the the queer sexual experiences were okay but the best sex was with frank the mm. cis hot dog the like are just like oh hot dog did you pick that up on that though where it, like we do get it like uh again this is a victory for nobody because <laughs> again with uh, Salma Hayek playing a taco that is yeah both racist and sexist vaginas have certainly been referred to as tacos mm-hmm. and it's all like uh, you don't need me to explain this to you <laughs> <laughs> You've lived I've in been world, alive in the world, unfortunately. <laughs> but like, but, but at the end, they do have. Okay, let's start there. Let's okay. start. Let's start there. Yeah. Is, well, um, let's take a quick break is, first, and then. Oh God! <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Please buy raw dog. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, "Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste." And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, and we're back. And we're back. Seth Rogen says raw dog, and I was he like, does. this is bad press. That's blasphemy. Is, <laughs> I've we, We've reclaimed raw dog. We've taken it away from him. There, yes. it's, not, it's not Frank the hot dog anymore. But let's start with the story between Brenda and... What is Salma Hayek's character's name? Teresa. And just to Teresa. just to contextualize this a bit more before we dive in, which we've already mostly done, but just to make it clear that like the hot dogs are all coded as men and more specifically Sis. penises because there's all these jokes and even like a whole storyline about how Barry the hot dog like feels insecure because he's not as long as the other hot dogs, but he is girthy and like all this stuff. And then the hot dog buns are coded as women slash vaginas. But again, like the vagina buns also have boobs. Point is, it's very gender essentialist and reductive and it's basically just saying and Brenda, like and Brenda Bunsen says I'm so tight <laughs> like it's just like right all of these like attempts at jokes of how ha 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 bun equals vagina hot dog equals penis which is like the easiest and most unoriginal joke in the world and yeah. yet the whole movie hinges on this very lazy obvious joke as if it's some brilliant bit of comedy that no one's ever thought of before and then on top of that penis equals man. always man yes. vagina equals always one. like it's very cis normative as well and it's right so not only is it reducing people to their genitals in a way that means oh like men have dicks and because of that they're so fucking horny and all they want to do is fuck right. all the time and reduces women to vaginas and also like they have feelings because they be have vaginas love. and it's very transphobic and yeah just like reducing yeah. people to genitals and saying that only you know to be a man means you have this genitalia to be a woman means you have this genitalia there's no room for right. anyone on the gender or like intersex spectrum just like it's just so rigid and binary and unfortunately it's really difficult to discuss this movie without that constantly being the case so we apologize right. if if we sound like we it's just really it's really hard to talk about this movie yeah. without feeling like you're aligning with that obviously that is not how we align but they, but this is just like the the interior logic of the movie is so fucked mm -hmm. and assumes so much that it's uh, it's just like it's very difficult to have this right conversation yes please buy raw dog um <laughs> but okay so we have Teresa del taco yes okay del taco is uh you know it, if you live in the u.s you probably know an american fast food chain american but it's like americanized mexican food so already yeah lazy uh but Teresa is i mean she's a queer character mm -hmm. who is immediately interested in brenda mm -hmm. and like it's like implied that that's why Teresa helps the gang is because right. she has a thing for Brenda. We see a lot of very like 
again, you're like, what are we doing here? From Teresa's perspective, we see her constantly looking at Brenda's butt, like yeah. objectifying her. I feel like this movie, and, and then there is like a scene where, again, it's just like not, like Brenda is, I think like, a queer character because she says when she and Teresa go their separate ways, like basically says like, I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but this religion we believe in, it would be against God. Right. To have, which I think is like, again, the attempt that this movie is making to be like, religion is so oppressive. oppressive. And then at the end it comes around and everyone has a big orgy and, you know, Teresa and Brenda do, have sex or it's implied that everyone kind of has sex with everyone Mm -hmm. but i do think and like the way that queerness is treated in this movie is obviously bad (laughs) oh for sure okay all to the point where there's a broad stereotype that isn't even like current i'm like how old are you people like we're there (laughs) but like the entire fruit section of the grocery store is queer coded and mostly Mm -hmm. queer coded as men yeah gay men and yeah so just again because this movie is so gender essentialist there is no real in between in terms of the gender spectrum and we see queer men even though it's i feel like this was a time where it was like well any representation you should be thrilled that we included this i'm acknowledging you exist and that's good enough where there's already I mean it's so unshocking that they were working on this movie since 2008 because this feels more 2008 than 2016 for sure but that was when it was released so you know fuck you but uh the like there's a fair amount of no homoing uh, between hot dogs so much but then when there are queer men they're treated differently from queer women Mm -hmm. which I know again is essentialist but it's something we've talked about before where when there are queer women, it's very like, ooh, this is sexy. This is leering. This is mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then when it's queer men, it's like funny. Right. And like it's I don't even I don't even really know what word to describe how because at the end, Sammy Bagel Jr. and Kareem mm-hmm. Abdul Lavash. Hilarious, by the way. Have sex. The bagel says he has a boner. I'm like well, I understand why you haven't attempted to show it because what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that what mean? What would that look like? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but the, those characters are so offensive. And like, okay. So anyways, I thought it was interesting that Brenda and Teresa are like acknowledged to be queer by the plot. But like, mm-hmm. it's just so everything is so halfway because even like their interest in each other is still treated in a clearly written by straight men perspective lazy yeah mostly played as a joke nothing interesting or meaningful being done with it yeah so yeah which is also what happens with uh and again we touched on this and it's not worth going into the details the specific examples because they're so upsetting but just the racism xenophobia anti-islam anti-semitic also like and it's so well that yeah that's the one that we talked about this a little bit as well where that's i think the one i'm curious what our our jewish listeners think but there like that feels like the only the only subject on which this group of writers has any leeway on Mm -hmm. because 
the story and the original like concept of this movie is by Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and Jonah Hill, who are all Jewish writers. And, you know, I I still think this movie sucks no matter what, but I do want to <laughs> acknowledge that there is a pretty well-storied history of Jewish writers poking at tropes surrounding Jewish characters and also mm-hmm. surrounding Nazism, which this movie also does. Mm-hmm. There is precedent for that. It's obviously done way better by artists like Mel Brooks and like I but I that's the mm-hmm. only where I I don't know where to land on that because I'm not Jewish and I don't want mm-hmm. to I mean we talked about this on the um Borat episode as well. Yes. Yes. On the mate is that a Matreon episode? Gosh, I've lost all track of what is where. Uh yes, I think that it was when we covered uh Borat Borat two, two yeah. on the Matreon. <laughs> where right. it, it is Iconically like, we did that. Icon I mean feminist masterpiece meant <laughs> it was said. Um but in any case, I uh yeah, I I don't wanna, you know, come down on the side of like Jewish writers cannot make any commentary on Jewish history in mm-hmm. the form of a comedy. There's plenty of it. I just personally don't think anything is well done in this movie. Right. But that's the one thing that I'm like, well, I don't really feel qualified to have a take on on that i feel the same however we would be curious to know what our jewish listeners think i mean it's just like i just can't believe anyone liked this movie (laughs) uh it's so confusing to me um i wanted to quote a lindy west piece this is also mentioned in Mm. this nico lang piece you gotta love lindy west she said this back in 2012 where basically in the press tour for this movie, as we've alluded to, um, the writers would say like, oh, this is equal opportunity, like offensiveness. Like mm-hmm. we know that it's broad stereotypes, like, but it's with everyone. I think that that, and that's sort of where they're poking at Jewish stereotypes come in, where they're like, we're doing it to ourselves too. So right. it's cool if we do it to everybody. Mm-hmm. So that is sort of the acknowledged ethos of how this movie was put together it's like we're not exempt so you're not exempt Mm -hmm. so this is from a uh, lindy west essay for jezebel in 2012 um she says quote the problem is that all people are not equal in positions of power Mm -hmm. which is true because it's like these guys are making the movie like there Mm -hmm. there is one listed producer who is a woman uh megan ellison who is if I were to guess, is probably involved mostly in the um, in the animated portion because she works at Annapurna, mm-hmm. where the animation took place, which we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't seem like there were any women that had any say in you know how this was made, nor were there any Muslim writers, nor were there uh, any Mexican writers, nor were there Indigenous writers, nor were there Black writers, mm-hmm. and on and on and on and on and on. It was just. Mm-hmm these guys mm-hmm. so that logic does not it doesn't hold up it, does it doesn't work work and and if they were actually like poking fun at everyone because these these filmmakers are only poking fun at already marginalized people and not like commenting on fucking billionaires and racists and like people who should actually be which is like criticized that, for their behavior and not that that's the duty of any like of all movies sure like you can have movies that are not like 
you know, explicitly anti-capitalist and all this stuff. And this movie is trying to say something about religion, but it's just, yeah, like as far as the stereotypes are deployed, it seems like just for shock value. Like definitely it has nothing to really do with the larger plot, which is like basically incoherent to me. It's just like, it's mean and it's lazy and it's, it's and it's, it's a bit evil. Definitely. And I, uh, read, God, I read, I read an example, uh, again, <laughs> read an example that, um, so Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen also said that they consulted friends to make sure their equal opportunity offensiveness wasn't just plain offensive. Gerard Carmichael, who is not in this movie, but he's in mm-hmm. Neighbors, another Seth Rogen joint oh, of this era. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Gerard Carmichael told BuzzFeed that Goldberg would come to him to vet the movie's more problematic content. Is this racist? Goldberg inquired on more than one occasion. Um, and then Nico Lang says, in an industry where people of color continue to be stereotyped and shut out, it seems that if Goldberg had to ask, he already knew the answer, mm-hmm. which I think is an excellent point and mm-hmm. probably very true. Um, I don't even want to say what it was going to be, but the Craig Robinson character who is called Mr. Grits, yeah. which, Jesus Christ, was originally going to be even more offensive. <laughs> and there, the the original version of the Craig Robinson character, which was just explicitly anti-black like Mm. tested very very poorly and there was uh, at the movie's original premiere um someone i guess confronted seth rogan about it and was like you can't fucking do this dude like this is disgusting but that's the only change that i saw an example Mm. of being changed everything Mm. else stayed as is which again it's like what if someone hadn't said something and it's like and 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 then that would just be out in the world i mean not that what is out not that mr grits is doing anything like it's just uh, i mean lavash like all of the every character fucking firewater every every, i mean it's like there's no there's no like except for this character which makes a ton of sense like no no it's heinous um because you brought up lindy west who is an activist against fat shaming and fat phobia and so just famously one of my favorite writers oh she's terrific um it just reminded me of how much fat shaming there is in this movie where like the other food characters are fat shaming brenda the bun another character i forget who it is but says that people like humans are to blame for getting fat because of all the the, all the food they consume just like all this like horrible fat phobic rhetoric yeah it's just bullshit like everything like basically every word in this movie is bullshit and and also like it upholds well obviously it upholds all of like all of everything but even in a way that like I don't understand because it's it's like this is a movie written by Jewish writers mm-hmm. who are going with their ethos of what they say they're doing. We're not exempt either. But the main character seems like he's coded as like a white Christian. So it's like, right. So it seems like, oh, well, the white Christian hero fucking cis hot dog guy is still the most curious of everyone and mm-hmm. like finds the truth and unites every culture. And it's like, that's like, what is, what are you doing? That's, right. that's all movies. Like, that's like fucking, I, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I like, it, the, obviously this movie makes no sense uh <laughs> well to piggyback on that 
there's there's classic sexism happening with that too because oh yeah again frank is this character who's like wait a minute i'm a skeptic now i have to seek the truth you literally bill maher yeah (laughs) he he sets out to make the documentary religious uh you know and he's like what's going on but brenda his girlfriend refuses to listen to frank about the possibility that the great beyond might not be real and yes he is being very condescending and patronizing while he talks about it but one of the few female characters in the movie is presented as being irrational and overly driven by her emotions and again he's interested in seeking the truth she's not she's just like i'm gonna you know blindly follow what i already believe i'm not gonna interrogate anything and then she tries to like make him jealous when he's like well i can't even have a rational conversation with you she's like oh yeah well i'm gonna go fuck a pickle and it's just like well it's like also that they're this like because they're like still in their package that's supposed to be this really like uh sophisticated (laughs) um (laughs) metaphor for virginity but it's still more like so but you know by the hot dog bun blah 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 like it's still more emphasized in the female coded uh like it's more important that the buns are never been used than the hot dogs which Mm -hmm. is ridiculous yeah yeah it is gross also there's all this like male gaze yeah. animation slash cinematography again oh my um, god the shot where douche is talking about like i can't wait to get inside this woman yeah. guarantee it, these writers do not know how any of this would actually go actually but there's looks. this like leering shot of like a cartoon woman's vagina yeah. and you're just like why yeah why 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 <laughs> we already have like oh in case the vagina buns that also have boobs and butts weren't enough for you (laughs) like got you got you yeah yeah so that's gross uh i want to talk about the production and animation yes specifically the way the animators were treated on this movie uh i'm pulling from a couple different sources. One is a Washington Post piece. One is a Screen Rant piece. So there was this Q&A published on an animation news website called Cartoon, Cartoon Brew. Brew. Cartoon Brew rocks. And so there's a Q&A with the two directors of this movie, Greg Tiernan and Conrad Vernon. And the comments section of this Q&A basically turned into the animators commenting anonymously complaining about the working conditions on the movie and so like that's kind of how this information came to be uh, public information um so the animators complained about um director greg tiernan who runs the animation company nitrogen uh, who handled the animation for sausage party he runs it with his wife (laughs) Uh, Nicole mm-hmm. Stin. Also, unfortunately, we do have to claim that Sausage Party is Shrekian in that <gasps> Conrad Vernon, one of the co-directors on Feminist Masterpiece, Shrek 2. Wow. Yeah. Really quite Shrekian. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt <laughs> your very important discussion of labor rights, but... <laughs> 
No, it's it. it That's also true. It's important to know when a Shrek when Shreks when Shreks go wrong. <laughs> It's, okay no okay. but this this is a very fascinating uh thing that has i feel like is a more popular discussion now this seems like a more mm-hmm. early example of it yeah yes so the animators were um complaining that uh, mr greg would have enraged outbursts they there was a lot of micromanagement of the animators and most despicably a lot of labor that went unpaid because animators were forced to work overtime and would not be paid for it. Yes. Um, I'll quote uh, an excerpt from the Washington Post piece. Uh, The production costs were kept low because Greg would demand people work overtime for free. If you wouldn't work late for free, your work would be assigned to someone who would stay late or come in on the weekend. Some artists were even threatened with termination for not staying late to hit a deadline, unquote. So basically, animators, if they wanted to keep their job, were forced to work overtime for free. If they refused, they would potentially be fired. Many animators who worked on the movie were not credited as having worked on the movie because Very many common, of them yeah. quit because of the horrible working t- conditions um, before the movie was finished. And anyone who quit was not credited, even though they worked on the movie for like over a year. Also, uh, when animators tried to quit and like put in their notice, executives at Nitrogen would threaten to damage their reputations, which like is a pretty big deal because like getting blacklisted in this industry is a real concern. Like if you right. get blacklisted, like it is really hard you could be, to it could fuck your career and they know that permanently. And, yes. And, like, yeah. So the animators were just like treated horribly. And because the animation was happening in Vancouver and nitrogen is a Vancouver based company, which yes. is like outside of the jurisdiction and protections of the animation guild in the u.s mm-hmm. they like weren't protected um i did read that eventually when annapurna which was like the production company that financed the movie yeah learned about all of this like labor mistreatment they stepped in they made sure the animators were paid for their overtime and they were like they made sure that the animators were being fed mm-hmm. because a lot of them had to work these late hours in an area that was like difficult to like get food and so they like unless they brought their own food they would have to work with like no access to food and like Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty standard for like especially on like film sets for the production of the movie to feed the cast and crew like it's not right people's responsibility who work on a uh, on a production to feed themselves so this is so like this is i've uh i'm very I am surprised. I don't, because you said you remember hearing about this at the time. I didn't know yes. about this at the time. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I love, I mean, I work in animation. I love animation. And this is so, this is like so, I mean, labor disputes are typical across entertainment and across everywhere. But like yeah. in animation specifically, it is like improved so little over the years that I'm glad that there was a settlement. But I'm also like, there is no excuse for someone as powerful as this group of filmmakers to accept making this a non-union project like that Mm -hmm. is absolutely unacceptable you can't treat your workers that way and the reason you do is to save money and to mistreat them because like Mm -hmm. 
you're saying like it, this uh, this happens this ha- this has happened on animation shows that I've worked on and I've only mm. ever worked as a writer but even so it's like there's just still such an issue with how animation is treated within entertainment not that there aren't major labor issues in live action as well but the unions in live action tend to be a little stronger mm-hmm. where you have sag uh that represents uh animation performers as well but not as uh often the the wga who are it seems about to strike and i'm very thrilled um but the wga still doesn't recognize most animation writers as writers that deserve union protections like ridiculous it blows like I, I I love to fucking run my mouth about this, but I've worked on six <laughs> television shows, but I'm not in the WGA because I write in animation. It's mm. ridiculous. And like mm-hmm. some are fucking high budget. Like why, why does writing on Star Trek not qualify you for the WGA? It's fucking ridiculous. ridiculous. And it's, there is very, and, and, and animators especially, I mean, this goes back to like Walt Disney union busting animators, like Mm -hmm. during the production of like Pinocchio. Like this has been going back. This has been going on in animation forever. Harkening back to the Pinocchio Wars. Sorry. Oh my god, I still have PTSD (laughs) from the Pinocchio Wars. (laughs) Um, But like, there, there's you know, animators have had to repeatedly strike and still have, I would say, generally less protections than their live action counterparts um which is Mm -hmm. ridiculous especially because animation has grown only more popular and more Mm -hmm. widely like every audience um it's i feel like it was like oh you make kitty tv like you don't which is also Mm -hmm. ridiculous but now it's like there's animation across the board there's no reason that they shouldn't be treated equally it pisses me off Mm -hmm. and i'm glad that they got a settlement but it's just like it's so transparent where and this we we like t- sort of talked about this a little earlier but how i think that like a similar dispute that you see right now is going on with um the effects workers um who work on marvel movies where mm-hmm. there's only so many production houses that do this they're desperate to stay in the good favor of disney and marvel it's always fucking disney with this stuff mm-hmm. they want to stay in the good graces of these huge contracts and so they'll work people to death and then like there this was an issue with a director i generally like but taika waititi when the last Mm. i didn't see it when his last marvel movie came out um he was like making fun of how the effects looked in interviews which prompted employees to be like you did like Marvel did not give us the money or the time mm-hmm. to finish this fucking movie. How dare you? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. That how... movie sucked. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder was like, <laughs> I did horrendous. not see it. I, 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 I mean, I guess it's like I was like, oh well, you can't always trust Rotten Tomatoes, but I did trust Rotten Tomatoes on that one, and I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, it's just animation and effects workers are historically treated like shit, mm-hmm. and it's so like there's no. There's no excuse for anyone to do it, but particularly people who are this powerful and have have access to the resources. It's not mm-hmm. like we're an indie company and like we can only give you this much, which right. isn't acceptable either, but at least there's some context for it. There's no reason that this mm-hmm. that a production of this level needed to mistreat their workers so much. Mm-hmm. Um and that sucks because then everyone had to work on Sausage Party. Like, yeah. 
Okay. Well, mm. if you want to read more about labor rights in the meatpacking industry, <gasps> and also, uh, <laughs> then you should pick up a new book. It's out now. It's called Raw Dog. Uh, oh. I learned a lot about how meatpacking employees, as well as animals, are severely mistreated in the process where most grocery store hot dogs like Frank are mm -hmm. made. Um, also yeah. do some discussion of vegan hot dogs, of kosher hot dogs. There's so... The world of hot dogs is expansive. It's vast. It's vast. It's effing vast. And much, you might even say. <laughs> and much like the animation workers' rights have not improved by very much over the last 100 years. Damn. So that's fucking sick. Uh, we love that. We love that. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say about Sausage Party? No. <laughs> Me either. It passes, it passes the Bechdel test, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I give it no nipples. And the way women interact with, the, with each other, which is not often because, again, there's only really two. There's one major female character in Brenda, and then there's a more minor character in Teresa. Yeah. Other than that, any female-coded characters have, like, maybe a line or two. And even that's rare. So most of the characters we meet are male-coded. So there's really very little interaction between women. Although Brenda and Teresa do pass the Bechdel test because they talk about their sexual urges for each other. <laughs> so right, I that, mean, sure, it counts. It counts. But but, but, but I, I the care. way that women or like female-coded characters interact with each other outside of that is like a lot of like the buns will be calling each other disparaging like sexist words like oh you bitch oh you skank stuff like that yeah and then so, I, we, we referenced this but the i guess the only other thing i have to say is the ableism that's present in the michael Sarah character and also that they suggest uh that he is disabled in some way and that the only mm -hmm. way that he could find a partner is to find another disabled partner which right. is how that plays out in the end which is just i mean like it feels worth man i don't even want to get into it really because it's just so fucked mm -hmm. and ugly and this this movie is i agree with letterboxd um this movie is evil. is evil yeah i don't i don't want to say another word about this movie no nipples done no i would say negative five nipples and it's okay, like yeah. especially I'll, I'll meet you there Neg Thanks. negative five this movie it's, is evil the last thing i'll say about it is it's especially frustrating to me when there there's a movie that's attempting to make commentary on some kind of like societal or cultural thing because it is attempting to say things like uh, having blind faith in a deity can be dangerous or which sure attaching shame to sexuality and making people feel shame if they have sex like quote unquote out of wedlock or if they have sexual feelings toward someone of their same gender the way that a lot of religions do, you know, saying that that's wrong or taking a religious text and distorting it to push your own agenda of prejudice and oppression. That's bad. Uh, yeah, I agree with those things. But for the movie to try to make those claims and then turn around and put every reductive trope in existence into the movie and punch down to so many groups of marginalized people do you even hear yourself no sausage party anyway this movie sucks i hate it negative five nipples 
and buy Jamie's book. Please buy my book, Raw Dog, <laughs> by Jamie Latches. We're gonna put uh, we'll we'll put the link for where you can buy it. Uh, I prefer to use Bookshop.org. That will automatically link you to the closest uh, independent bookstore that you can order it from nice. and have it shipped from. Mm-hmm. That that is carrying the book. And please tell your friends. It's really um, helpful, and I'm very proud of it. And also, awesome. if you live in the cities, let's see if I remember, of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Austin, Portland, Oregon, Boston, Brooklyn, uh, and... Chicago? Chicago, and somewhere in Connecticut called the Mark Twain House. Those oh. are the eight places I will be going to promote the book. There will be events, and we will uh, link tickets as well, because I will be leaving this week. So please, um, please come out. Indeed. And all the regular stuff, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to our Patreon, aka Matreon, and get access to two bonus episodes every month plus the entire back catalog of bonus episodes this month of may is my birthday and we are doing office space and redoing back to the future because our first back to the future episode has audio quality that is not great and we have and it's one of my favorite movies so i want to just uh do an updated version of the episode uh, you can check out our merch at tpublic.com slash the Bechtel cast if you are interested. Uh, gra- grab a little merch and yeah, uh, hope to see you. Hope to see you on the road soon. Love you. Bye. Bye. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.